Welcome to episode seven of the Swear Jar Podcast. I'm John Brooks. I'm a stand-up comedian out of Adelaide in South Australia. Thanks to everyone who's downloaded and listened to the podcast. We've just racked up 500 downloads, which is fucking ridiculous. Wow. So, I know, that's bullshit, isn't it? So thank you. I appreciate people listening to my weird fucking cupboard ramblings, but uh, there you go. Now, uh, before we kick things off, I just wanted to let you know about a few projects that I've got uh, in the sideline. The first is a little startup called Funny United. Uh, it's all about showcasing grassroots stand-up comedy in Australia and hopefully increasing the opportunities for emerging stand-ups to find paid work because trying to make a living of comedy in this country is fucking bullshit. It's hard, so uh, any support you can throw our way would be fantastic. Uh, I'd love you to subscribe to the YouTube channel, so just go to www.funnyunited.com.au and that will take you straight there. Uh, the other thing is that my 2020 Adelaide Fringe Festival show, Selfies from Chernobyl, will be on sale soon, so just Google Adelaide Fringe to stay up to date with that and I'll probably try and offer some sort of ticket discount for people who listen to the podcast because, fuck, you're probably the only people who care. So uh, thanks for that. Now... Today's guest is the man who wrote the theme tune that I use for this show. He is a guitarist extraordinaire who's been in bands including Space Bong, Corruptors, Guantanamo Bay City Rollers, and these days you can hear him playing in Power Chuck and the two-piece crimecore outfit, Meth Leopard. Um, he's about, well, he's not about to head to the USA for tax purposes, I can't mention that, or Canada or Mexico, but uh, please welcome to my lounge room someone who I first met in kindergarten, Ryan Cheeseman. <laughs> there you go. I've got to turn on some kind of timer so I can keep a handle on this. But uh, that's all right. So you you've been to the US a few times with your bands, and you reckon they've never checked your phone? They've never checked my phone. So apparently that's something they do. Apparently US Customs these days will take your phone and demand passwords, and people are reporting that they'll go back and they'll check to see what you've been doing, seeing what you're saying, and they'll come back with malware in their phones mm. that are basically tracking what they say in messages and that sort of shit. So basically, you, they had this unit, which you can actually buy on Gumtree. It was on the news. Basically, you just plug your phone into it. It can crack any phone, any iPhone, Android phones, and it gets everything. Every, everything you deleted, like messages, pictures, whatever. Yeah, right. So yeah. a favourite amongst uh, domestic abusers and people who are tracking their ex-partners, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? You know? <laughs> well, that's what it's for, you know, these malware things where people are like, where the fuck is she, even though she left me five years ago? Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty tough, like in the States now, like, People are just trying to, you know, move there. Yeah. <laughs> not do a grindcore show, but yeah, I don't know. I'm trying not to think too much about it. Fair enough. Now, the thing that I wanted to talk to you about first up was, um, I mean, you've been playing in bands for fucking ever, basically, and really prolific in terms of the stuff that you put out. But your Instagram is all about gardening, and you are one single-handedly trying to get the hashtag grind gardening going so first of all what is grindcore and how the fuck does that relate to growing tomatoes uh well you gotta eat don't you <laughs> um basically grindcore is this music that's very fast for people with no intention span very short attention span so i was just like i grew up a fucking angry little kid in port piri same as you <laughs> nothing to do fucking bored shitless oh we like that music that's heavy oh let's go and try and go faster and it just went from there Fair enough then. But it's kind of like a cross between death metal and punk, really, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then we slowed it down for our band because I can't really play the drums. Yeah, I dumbed it down because you yeah. were pretty shit. <laughs> were, continue to be. <laughs> You've got half a drum kit in the lounge room right now, which is probably stolen. Well, that's the thing. Like, I bought this thing off. I've been searching for a drum kit for ages because I wanted to buy another one because 
I'm, I earn minimum wage and I'm a fucking shared cared single dad. I've got no fucking money. So I had to buy a drum kit for as little as possible. So I was literally stalking Gumtree, eBay and Facebook Marketplace for months until this thing popped up and I snapped it up the second I saw it. And I got around to the guy's house and he's like, I've been trying to sell this for months. I'm like, get <laughs> fucked. So you, you fit the category of a per, like basic grindcore drummer. That's everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. Fucking oh, yeah, cool. It's pretty funny too because it's a hundred bucks and it's one of the best sounding drum kits I've ever owned. Nah, fucking hell. Well, that's the way though, isn't it, man? Like, and I thought it would be stolen for like a hundred bucks. But you get around there and the guy's legit. He's just, he's just some guy who's heaps into slot cars and knows drums and... But like I actually forced you to play drums. We were in school, remember that? I was like, fucking, I want a drummer. Get a fucking drum kit. Yeah. I need a drummer. And that's what it was. And then you bought this piece of shit Bitzer kit. That, and fuck. That was a, like, I think it was in a house fire, wasn't it? That kit was a, nine, I've looked it up since, it was a 1960s Slingerland big band jazz kit. Fuck. And some guy had, it had been in a fire and some guy had reskinned it in 1970s electric sparkle blue. And like he'd done that 1970s shit where you pull the bottom drum head off on the toms so it just rings out forever because everyone's in Van Halen now. And it sounded like shit. But as soon as I spent some money on it, that kit sounded great. I remember at the time I was like, what's this piece of shit? It doesn't look like a heavy metal like drum kit. I was like, this no. is crap. And you're like, oh. You pulled it apart. It goes, oh, it's all burnt. <laughs> it was. When I actually pulled the, the laminate off, it actually came with whole veneers of wood that were burned <laughs> from the fire that it was in. Do you, oh, do you it remember that? Do, do you remember how I got you your first cymbals? <laughs> the fuck? That's right. <laughs> so at school, we had this really terrible, like, was it Max or something? There was a, it was a CB percussion drum kit. So this, this is back, if you go back to our school now, they've got a multi-million dollar building. It's just fucking incredible what they've got now because John Howard just redirected a shit ton of public money into private schools. So we went to a private school, but it wasn't a good one. It was, it was just creepy. less criminals. But yeah, we had the third highest level of clerical rape in the country. <laughs> no, I thought it could have been better than that. Yeah, I know. Go team. Anyway. Uh, you go there now and it's really well funded, but back when we, we like back when we were there in like the fucking nineties, they had a, a CB brand percussion drum kit mm. and like a whole bunch of like wooden blocks that people hit, and that was it. I think that's some acoustic <laughs> and, and recorders and nylon acoustics with no strings on them. And that was it. Was like some shit from Africa, you know? We see some guys made a guitar out of a cigar box. That's what it was fucking. I like. mean, because like we were poor as fuck, trying to scrape money for weed or whatever, like as teenagers yeah. and. Basically, yeah, I'd get a, a cymbal and then hide it behind the piano. That's right. And I let the shit fly down. She'd buy more cymbals and go, "Hey, you want a you want a cymbal?" <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you had to wait for it to cool down before you could go steal the cymbal, which sounded like a fucking baked bean tin, basically, because <laughs> it wasn't even bronze. It was like painted tin. Because mm. I remember, because I tried to cut it down into a splash, so I made something sound even worse than mm. is possible. And like what we're into then, we, you were into grunge for most of the like nineties. I was really into Oasis. And you're into a lot of other cool, like, weird shit, like Frente, like L7, sort of like... Everyone was into Weezer. The Weezer was just, like, the coolest thing ever. What? In Port Piri, were they? Well, we were. Yeah, we were, but I remember, we like... We weren't cool, but we were just... I remember, I remember Piri at that stage still very much being cold chisel, ACDC, and... And, <laughs> and heroin, and, yeah. Yeah, well, there probably wasn't any heroin. I reckon glue sniffing was probably the I thing. Think it was pre-ice, but anyway... Yeah, fuck it. Wow. But yeah, just, just thinking back, like it was still like Steve Vai was a thing there. Heaps of people listened to Steve Vai. I remember heaps of people listened to um, DOD. Was it DAD? 
that Swedish <laughs> oh, DAD, yeah, like, uh, screaming jets. But that's what people were still listening to, man. DAD, Guns and Roses. Mm. That was the big thing, man. Everyone was into Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses and NWA. Yeah, that's that. true. Yeah. Like I remember, my sister had like the NWA tape, and my mum fucking got so angry because mm. my mum never ever said like the f word. And it wasn't until the Cypress Hill album came out. Um, was it Black Sunday? Black Sunday, yeah. And then my mum yells out, I'm sick of this, this swearing and stuff. They're saying fuck. And like, me and my sister like, what just happened? <laughs> Say it again. No, I'm not saying it. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you, you had a pretty, uh, pretty straight-laced house, didn't you? Yeah, it was like an army, really. So like, I couldn't really do anything until my mum was like, what are you doing? Yeah. So it's like, you said on another podcast that... Um, you used to listen to Gornot War. Yeah, yeah, I'm five triple Y from Wyala. You had to pick yours up. Yeah, very like pretty good reception, whereas I didn't. So I had to like do some like tying stuff up and connect it to like the the gutter, and I could yeah. pick it up every Thursday. And I had like old tapes, and I had this really old shitty Panasonic tape player. And whenever I hit the record button, it would go like, and then I'm like, Ryan, what are you doing? Oh, really? So what I had to do was just hold consistently on the pause button, and I rammed like tissues in there so it wouldn't make a noise. So I was like waiting for a good song to come on and I would like hit record and it was just like full stealth. Jesus Christ. What, was she worried you were going to ruin her souffle or something? I don't know, man, but yeah, I showed her with heavy metal, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. Fuck. I, yeah, I remember music being a really weird thing. I remember some band came to Port Perry. I think it was like one of those, you know, every now and then someone will come along and they'll get like a position in youth arts for the government and they'll try and change things and <laughs> be hip, yo teach and sit backwards on a chair. This person tried to do that and they brought two bands down to Port Perry from Adelaide. And one of them was this three-piece called Centaur. And that was the first live band I ever saw. I don't know who the fuck they are, man, but they, were, they, were, they had a really good drummer. I still remember to this day they had this killer drummer and they just, they just let him do like a 20-minute solo. And he was awesome. He was fucking awesome. And then we did the Port Perry thing and we're like, come over the, come over the bridge to nowhere and we'll get you stoned. <laughs> and they were like, are there no women here? Nah. <laughs> Get used to that. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was the first live band I ever saw. They were at the YMCA, and the reason it stands out was because basically it was just our little circle of friends that went to see it. Mm. And Dean Burgess, who was like the cool kid who could like skate and had long he had hair. Long hair. That's all it was. He yeah. could skate and he had long hair. He was like the. It was like someone dropped a surfer from the from the west coast into the desert in Port Pirie. So everyone like worships him. Like, yeah. Oh, you know, he's but he was a, he was a really nice guy. Still is a nice guy. Yeah. But yeah, I remember he was the only one who knew how to mosh properly. <laughs> even back then, I just remember thinking, where did you learn that? We live in the same town. <laughs> it's like, Perry was very hard to grow up. Like, a really pretty shitty town, like, in my eyes. You, you like it, but for me, I just... I've made peace with it. That's the You difference. made peace. I ha- maybe I will one day. Mm. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. But basically, you know, you were a trendsetter in 1995, by the way. I had a pair of big jeans. He had 26 it. red pants. And they were the baggy fucking, as fuck. The hip-hop everyone jeans. paid the fuck out of him on casual day. Oh, yeah. And then six months later, everyone's got him. Yeah. Trendsetter. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't worth it, was it? It was because what actually happened was someone had rollerblades. I oh, know some dude from period, you know, when I class had rollerblades. Hayden. And um, I was riding my, my push bike and you're holding onto the back of my shirt. And I, I <laughs> rode my push bike along. We used to hang out at school after like so we could skateboard or whatever. Because it was the only place you could. Yeah. And then you're holding on to my back and I'm pulling along while you're on these shitty rollerblades. Yeah. And then next minute like shit's slowing down and like your baggy pants got ripped into the tire. Yeah. 
And then next minute, I'm flying over the handlebars because you punched me because <laughs> it dragged your pants in and like your balls got like caught in the brake. In the, in the spinning wheel. Literally <laughs> yeah. a fashion victim. Yeah, no, that, that fucking chewed my nuts up like a fucking, like a bulldog. I was like, <laughs> why did he punch me? And it's like, wrong. Because <laughs> I'm on the ground in agony. Yeah. I reckon that did some real damage too. No, you were like, you were so, so keen on like skating, like you'd get the video camera from school and you'd film yourself doing yeah. tricks to try and improve. To try and learn how to do them. But that was the thing, like I thought I was all right, like I could do, I could do little bits and pieces. And then I come down to Adelaide and we move down here and we go down to the Fulham Skate Park. And it's like, oh, I suck. <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm an adult now and it's too late to learn this shit. Because look at the skate park we had. Like, I didn't even bother trying doing tricks because it was like, a, what, a fiberglass thing? It was had a, rocks and all this dirt on it. It was a three metre by three metre square fiberglass bowl that was, I think, two and a half feet deep. And it, they'd painted it because some kid graphed it. So it originally had like a pool surface, so it was okay, you could skate it. Yeah. But then some kid graphed it, so they painted it with marine paint and it became slippery as fuck. So you couldn't yeah. do anything on it. And I KO'd myself at least twice on that thing. I think because it was right next to the BMX thing. Yeah. So they'd ride their BMXs on it and get all the dirt in there. So when you skate on it, you'd eat shit. Yeah. And like, yeah. But that's skate parks, man. Like everyone brings a broom with them and cleans them out and that sort of stuff. And yeah, with uh, me and you being the only skaters in the whole town. Yeah, yeah. It was unreal, man. There was, that was all because of one kid. One kid raised a shit ton of money. I can't remember. His, his name was Sheriff. His last name was Sheriff. And he went to, I think, Solly Primary. Yeah. And he raised all this money and got the local Lions Club or something like that to build it. And then, like, no one else skated it. Yeah, fuck, what a, what a place. But I, I, I have made peace with that place because you realise after a while that the reason it's so fucked is that people have just been brutally exploited there for 100 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, there's some trash bags there who should be in prison. I think as your family are there, you have a reason to go back and so forth. Yeah. Like, all well, my family moved on, like, in Queensland and so forth. And yeah. So I was just like, I don't know, I really hated it, the, the mentality of the school. It was, it was just like, almost like a sitcom in a sense. Like, yeah. we weren't, we were the outcast kids and, like, we were never cool and we couldn't, didn't play sports, you know, so it was like, yeah. what do you do? Like, but that's like Pat Oswalt says, that's the gift of the small town and you, and you pass the test when you leave. <laughs> that's, you know, it's, like, it's like, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool. Yeah. Yeah. They did some. I remember there was some fucking weird shit going on there as well, man. Like the, you were talking about Black Sunday, the album before. Mm. I got that by nicking it from a party because I didn't have enough money to <laughs> to buy CDs. But I remember going to this party and it was fucking creepy, man. Like looking back now, it's like how was this allowed to happen? Mm. But we were there at this little transportable, and I didn't realize at the time these were kids who'd been taken out of care. Wow! And like that for some reason, like they'd been legally emancipated or something like that, and had their own place. All we knew was we're 16 and we can smoke here. Yeah. yeah, this is awesome. They were like adults hanging around, man. And there was this dude who was like at least 30 who was trying to pick up one of these kids who was maybe 15, 16. And he was just smoking heaps of bongs and trying to get us all to play him at Uno and all this kind of stuff. It wow. was fucking mental. That's weird. Like you, you get a pretty good memory. I can't really remember much of that. Why. I think I tried to block it out. But um, yeah, like – some little things there. It's just like we did fishing and little stuff. Like it's really yeah. good. Like Finners Ranges, you can go camping and stuff. That's cool. Yeah. But apart from like trying to start a grindcore band or <laughs> or be different, it's a little bit hard. Like you know, oh, are you doing that? Oh, you know, I don't know. Like I remember, like as soon as we got McDonald's, it's like oh, Perry's made it. <laughs> there was a street party. <laughs> it was it was such a big deal. They shut down the main road and the mayor opened McDonald's and they set a sales record for the country. 
They'd sold, they sold that much McDonald's. So really? this, this has happened three times now. When KFC opened in Port Perry, mm. they set a sales record for first day sales. When McDonald's opened there, they set a sales record for first day sales. Same with Hungry Jack's. They set a sales record for first day sales. That's how fucking bored people are. So tell me about your – I reckon your touring model is super interesting, man, because, I mean, comedy and music – are very similar in that there's no money for anyone. Yeah, poverty. Yeah. At the bottom level, for some reason, as soon as you make it, you you, know, you can actually make a decent living. But for everyone else, it's all just hard work trying to get ahead. Yeah. And it seems to me like you kind of cracked it. Like with your two piece band, it's light. You travel travel easy. The other good thing about it is with bands. Three people never give a fuck. One of them's always at least a fucking hopeless pisshead. Yeah. That never turns up and always fucks shit up for you when you're over there. Yeah. How, where did, did is that how Meth Leopard kind of happened? Did you were like, I want to fucking tour and actually have fun? Well, I've always wanted to be in a grindcore band, but never had a drummer that could play that <laughs> fast. <laughs> wink, 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 John. Nah, no, no. It's just like for myself, I want to push myself to the to the limit. Like, mm. how fast can I possibly, you know, possibly go mm. and um, push myself? Because if you don't push yourself, you're not going to be happy or whatever you're doing. Like, yeah. So. Um, I was I started Power Chuck. Uh, I was asked to join, and then um, and Power Chuck's a power violence band. Power right? violence band. So it's basically people that can't play grindcore with yeah. power violence because it's just just a bit slower and sloppy. And sloppy. Yeah. And yeah. Drunk. But um. Yeah. So I went to the pub to see um, an Adelaide band, and uh, I met this guy called Kieran. He, he was like one of the typical drummers, plays in fucking sixteen hundred bands because he's mm. good. I was like, oh, I wanna, I'm thinking about joining a grindcore band, but, you know, haven't found a drummer. And he goes, oh, do you want to have a jam? Yeah. And, like, nothing happened. Like, six months later, and I was, like, bumped into it again. Oh, do you want to have a jam? I got, like, four songs. And then we had a jam. Mm. We nailed, like, the four songs like that. And then we're like, let's just book the studio. Yeah, right. And so it was like that before I even wrote the song. So that made me stop being lazy and write songs. And then it just started from there. Yeah, yeah. But that, then, like, the weird thing happened in terms of, like, just making international tours happen. Because you don't have a single record label, do you? Oh, we have – we do co-releases. So yeah. you have um, labels that actually press the vinyl. Yeah. And then you find other labels to contribute to be – like, do a co-release. Yeah. So basically the, the underground network of independent, like, micro-labels yeah. that, that are into this kind of music. Well, DIY, like, you know, everyone helps each other out. Everyone's trying to, you know, survive. Yeah, especially in other countries, they're very poor, and, and like everyone helps each other out. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in charging people for my digital downloads. So I do it for free because yep. like not everyone can afford records. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, here you go, like, and I try and, and get um, records out in many countries I can possible, so everyone can get a copy if they do want one. Yeah, yeah. And so does that make the difference when you turn up there to play? People know your music. Yes and no, but it's just about giving back. Like I've always been, yeah. even when I was in like Space Bong, um, kids would always come up and I'd always like give them stuff or whatever. Yeah. If you're, if you're a dick and you don't spend time and actually talk to the people who've actually come to see you, yeah. you shouldn't be playing music, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. So you should always you know, stick around and just chat to kids because like, you know, when, you, when you're 15, you're like, whoa, you're like, oh, yeah. like rock stars are gods or anyone who plays music. Like, so you, gotta, you actually don't be a dick and, and spend time with people and talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm guessing you don't have cupboards full of merch you can't shift as well. Oh, sometimes. But it depends how, how shit the design is. But, <laughs> but yeah, you just, you just do what you can do. Like, like I'm not a rich person, so we, we, we do it you know, on a budget and stuff like that. So what you can do. Yeah, you know? right. What's, yeah. The, what's the craziest place you reckon you've played? 
Um, I've played in uh, um, this house that was going to be condemned and they were going to bulldoze it like the next day and it was next to a brothel. Yeah, right. Where was that? And that that was in Portland. (laughs) And people were just smashing the whole place while we were playing. And I'm like, this is rad. Just (laughs) like the roof's falling down. Like everything's like ripping stuff off the walls. Jesus. That was cool. Yeah, right. Because you played some pretty weird places, man, like fucking like Eastern Europe and... Yeah, uh, far, first east we went were, was um, Hungary. Yep. Yeah, I want to go further east, and more crazy. But yeah, we did um, a European tour last year. That was mm-hmm. cool. We played um, Obscene Extreme Festival. That was really trippy. Yeah, yeah. Played at an awesome rock and roll time of uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. So oh, grind o'clock. Grind o'clock. So it uh, wasn't very healthy at that point. And uh, yeah, it was really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Jesus, man. Well, and uh, Hellfest? Did you play Hellfest? No, that's in France and, uh, and we're not famous. No, what, what are the ones I'm thinking of? <laughs> uh, we played MDF, Maryland Death Fest that's in, right. in the States. Um, and that, that was hilarious. Uh, yeah. The promoter's not very happy about me now. But, yeah, right. Uh, I don't know. Like, we were very, very fucking poor by, the, by that stage. It was like sort of like almost the end of the, the tour. Yeah. And we were so broke. Like, oh. Dipping into savings, like we weren't making any money. Yeah. And we were guaranteed... Like a shitty, shitty pay. And then like I went there after the show. I was like, hey, man, you know, can I have my money? You guys are not going to pay you. I'm like, uh, why? Like we had an email and an agreement, blah, blah, blah. No, yeah. I don't owe you that. You're and, right. And I was just like basically got booted out by security. Fuck. And then when they did pay me, it was like not even a quarter close to what they were paying, which was dismal. Fucking hell, man. So, yeah, I don't know. Big festivals. I got pretty cranky that night, but yeah, only because we were starving and we needed you know, fuel. <laughs> yeah, right. No, Maryland, that'd be an interesting place. Murderland, they call it, John. Yeah. I, I have fucking, I've led this weird life where I've actually, I, I don't know how, but I find myself in these super weird situations. And a little while ago, I ended up as a, I impersonated a photographer for a good two years, right, professionally, <laughs> and somehow I managed to get work. I ended up doing this photo shoot for this big four-wheel drive company, and they took me out to this crazy station in the middle of nowhere because they needed a um, cheap station like a ranch like mm. in the middle of nowhere, and they needed um, you know, location shots. And the people they teed me up with were like one guy was this psychotic gun nut who was fucking terrifying, wow. and the other guy was a former cop from Maryland. And he worked, in, he worked in internal affairs and his job was about busting cops who essentially they had like a really great insurance scheme over there mm. where if you got hurt, you could retire basically on this scheme. So his job was to find these guys who were like faking back pain and like hidden camera in them and all this kind of stuff. And he actually like had two attempts on his life, just people like ramming his car when they'd found him and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, fuck this, we're moving to Australia. Wow. His wife was a professional Baja desert racer. And he was just as good as a driver. And I've never been in a better car situation than this guy. He was just completely at one with the road, right? It's because he was a cop, but he was also someone with huge racing experience. So we're driving through the desert in his mega overdone fucking, yeah, just, you know, the sort of thing that the Nationals Nationals voters jack off to. It was like this massive murder truck, basically. Something from Mad Max. But this guy was just a gun behind the wheel. And it was like at no point terrifying, even though he's doing this crazy shit. But he was telling me about his time in the Maryland police because uh, he was he started off there and I was like talking to him about The Wire because I'm a huge fan of that show yeah. and I was like, like, what's the saddest thing you've ever seen? And he was telling me about this woman who got her kid to be a spotter for her while she was shoplifting, like a three-year-old kid who'd already been trained to be a spotter. Wow. He was like, man, it's just, it's just otherworldly poverty that you can't imagine. And I asked him, 
what the craziest thing was, because this is just after making a murder has come out. And he was like, number one, those cops fucking did it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know cops and cops do that shit. Oh. And he said, when I was in Maryland, we, uh, we got called out to this scene where there was like someone had done like a black mass. And he gets out there and he said it was just like a squat, big abandoned building. And there's like pentagrams drawn on the wall. And he's like, yeah, fucking whatever. You fucking wannabe tryhard cunts. And he reckons there was just so much blood there. Like someone, someone's either killed an animal or they work in a slaughterhouse and they've got access to blood or something like that. And he reckons the forensic guy is there doing it and they're calculating how much blood it is. And it comes back from the lab and it's human. And he said there's enough blood there for it to be two complete people. What? Yeah, so he reckons two people were murdered at that place ritually. Here's like the deal. Our hotel room is so close to the venue where yeah. we played. So we were there like for three nights because we you know, had passes and so forth. Yeah. And um, it was this dodgy park right to where we had to cross and it was scary. Every time we had to go past, it's like dudes are selling crack and like yeah. really bad gang shit. And there was a huge spew there like every morning, like basically when we walk out the door. Yeah. And then when we came back from the show, there was a massive pool of blood and I could see foot like prints from it jesus man and like, i just quickly went back to the hotel and then i was talking to like the stage guy he actually is from there yeah and he's like yeah man you don't walk down there you don't walk down there and we had a mate from sydney came with us like for the for the tour and yeah and he's just wandering around just like oblivious to like what's going on yeah and he's like you don't walk down there and some guys went to him he goes you better turn around you fucking dickhead like yeah yeah have you seen that video online of some fucking white boy in america who's got himself a drone He's like, hey, look at my new toy. And he tries to fly it through Compton <laughs> or something like that. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's Orange County or Compton or something. And it just it basically just cruising along city streets and all these people are staring at it. And then it just kind of comes around a corner and it's just gang dudes. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like trying to bring this, this drone down. Of course, the guy's like, oh, I better bring it back. Leads them straight to where he is. And he basically got saved by an off-duty cop or something like that. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Like, And that's, that's just fucking dopey suburban white guy privilege. Like, if we were wild animals in the forest, dopey suburban white guys would be the first ones to go. <laughs> and I'd be, I'd be the first one. Just like, oh, can I walk down here? Nup, chomp, you know. Yeah, it is scary. Like, you go to America and, like, growing, mm. in, growing up in a small country town, where you can, it's just harmless. Like, yeah. it wasn't that dangerous. And I was just like, just turn into a pussy wimp when I'm like in LA. I was just like, these guys are like hardened to this lifestyle, yeah. You know, in the way of life, and I'm just a pussy weakling. Man, and you know what? I've got friends here in the comedy scene who talk about touring with American comedians who they reckon are just as fucking scary as those guys because they grew up in Detroit and South Central and all that kind of stuff. And you know, the, the audience kicks off at them. They're like, "Fuck you! I'll kill you." Yeah, <laughs> like we hear all this shit. We see stuff from movies. Yeah. So we went to Chicago and we're staying with a great, you know, um, great Mount uh, who are they? Uh, Alicia and Robert. Yeah, great people. Hmm. And we rock up there, and I'm, I was like, "Let's get inside," because I was like worried about drive-bys because I'm an idiot. Hmm. And then, um, and they go, "Oh, someone got shot out there last night, about like two houses up." Nice. And me and, my, and the bass player were like, uh, start shaking and like, just go inside. Yeah. He goes, oh, don't worry. You're a band, guys. I won't shoot you. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to take that chance. No, I'll, I'll, I'll stay inside like a pot plant. Yeah. And then I remember playing a show in LA and this kid came up to me. He goes, I like your music. It was very brutal, very extreme, mm. but your haircut doesn't suit the music. Oh, really? 
I said, oh, I'm sorry I let you down, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, you know, well, I'm going bald, so I couldn't really have a scullet just to fucking appease your fucking taste, but, you know, like. Yeah, your haircut doesn't see that. That's the thing, man. That's something that's always got me about the fucking metal and heavy music and all that kind of stuff is how scene-driven it is. It's just fucking ridiculous. I mean, like, black metal. Everyone's, like, super serious. Yeah. Because fucking relax. Wear some fucking bright-coloured clothing. Yeah. Like, just chill. Yeah. Go I, to the beach. I, I love heavy metal guys who pretend like they act like they're brutal. And they've got fucking bullet belts and they sing about Satan and war. And it's like, you spent your teenage years learning musical theory and pentatonic scales repetitively in your bedroom and you can explain the maths behind it. Fuck off you know about war and Satan, you nerd. Just yeah. fucking, just embrace it, man. Yeah, you live, you live at home and you work at fucking Woolworths. Fucking yeah, exactly. But on the weekends, I summon Satan. Was that Metalocalypse? Was that show? Remember that? Yeah. Brutal. That was, that was a perfect fucking piss take of metal, man. Perfect. But we, we, when we played that festival in Czech Republic, Obscene Extreme, mm. it was amazing. It was so diverse. It wasn't that just metal yeah. for a crowd. Everyone's super happy. Everyone's friendly. Mm. Even, even like fucking families and kids like with their earmuffs. It was really fucking cool. And everyone looked out for each other. Yeah. And it was just such a fucking relief. And it was just like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, super friendly. And that's what it is. You can't... In Australia, it's a bit hard. Like um, everyone's a little bit like, ooh, a bit tough guy. And then, like, you play interstate, everyone's got their own scene and they yeah. don't really like the outsiders coming in. Sydney you know, seems to be cool, though. Sydney's very cool. Always has been. Yeah. Um, it's really cool now for our style of music. Mm. Um, there's some new bands coming up now. They're really, really cool. Yeah. And um, the younger kids, because, like, the problem is when the younger kids don't pick it up, yeah. it just fizzes out. And that's what happened in Adelaide. Adelaide was huge, like, for real heavy shit, like, mm. in the 90s, even up to about 2005 when we were playing, I think. It was good. Yeah. You know, Captain Clean Off was, I think it's still together, but they're still kicking ass. Um, and all these other cool bands. Yeah. And it sort of fizzed out because, like, kids realize, oh, I'm not going to get laid with this grindcore. Yeah. Let's just do pills and fucking lift them the doof doof and fucking buy a $10 bowl of water. I had a great conversation with Dino back in the day, Mark Dean, who I had on the podcast for the first episode, because he was playing in the rivalry and they were huge. They were, mm. doing, they were doing big business, you know. Um, I remember just chatting to him one day because I was, I was working in politics at the time so I fucking did not fit in anywhere because I turned up to shows in suits. You look awkward so you, you sort of even it out with the alcohol. Yeah, yeah, so I just get shit-faced drunk. And I'm talking to Dino one day and he's just like, so, you know, like, how come you're still single? It's like, oh, you know, uh, if I knew the reason I'd, I'd fucking, I wouldn't be. And he goes, but you're in a band. I'm like, yeah, but I'm in my band. <laughs> That's the Do you want to fuck me, Dino? That's the difference, Dino. I'm not in a popular band. <laughs> it doesn't just work like that <laughs> You've got the moves Yeah, you look like fucking Paul McCartney, a little prick They were really good It was like you were going to see a butcher Because they, they would wave their instruments around And just clean each other up Blood yeah. everywhere, every show Yeah, And like Dino would be covered in blood I remember Dave yeah. was, like yeah. blood all over him I was like, this is cool I remember the first time I ever saw them as well Because the first time we ever played together with them was I think Christmas Eve in like 2004 or 2005 Enigma Bar? Yeah, so it was the Enigma Bar It was it was Guantanamo Bay City Rollers Then it was Rivalry And then the headline band was Captain Cleanoff And this was when Captain Cleanoff was at the peak mm. Of what they did So we got on stage And our normal drunken chaos gave way And we actually played a good show I remember that because like a whole bunch of people were like coming up to me like, oh, you guys are great. And then I see these children setting up because they were children. And I'm like, oh, who the fuck are these dicks, you know, because they're like, I've heard they're a metalcore band or something like that. 
And I remember Adam Myers had his drum kit set up and he just does like a, a quick blast. I'm like, oh, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> this guy can play. Yeah. And then like Dave, uh, you know, because fucking Dave Gibson at the time, who's like a bit of an Adelaide music legend, he was wearing a dress and had half his head <laughs> shaved, no underpants. And that fucking... <laughs> And he had that guitar, that stupid BC Rich with the pink flame job on it. Oh, that was a Schecter with the pink flames. Yeah, 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 but it was like a like a warlock shape. Yeah. So it was something straight out of a Man of War film clip where it being worn by this guy who looked like the fucking worst transvestite. Yeah, and flashing his D. Fuck, it was hilarious. And then the <laughs> other guys get on and they just look like nerds. They look like converged nerds. And they started playing and I remember just going, holy fuck, they're the real deal because it was just a wall of noise and they just heard each other. And it was all their songs were good and they were super tight. Super tight and it's amazing. When you're moving around like that, yeah. so I've never been good at like doing those fucking, we'll name some bands in a second, <laughs> who fucking wave their guitars around. Like it's all choreographed like fucking well, like Beyonce fucking shit. Yeah. And they don't miss a fucking note, you know what I mean? Like, mm. Whereas I'm like, I used to try and focus it. I had long hair in the day or I'd headbang or I'll just, you know, oh, that'll do. You had a drinking game after your hair. I had a fucking drinking game and it, and it really hurt me. <laughs> I think you hurt people's livers more. Every time you swished your hair, people had to drink. One time I had Indian food with Mikey. He was a, one of the guitarists. Oh, Mikey Seavers, yeah. Mikey. And um, we went to have Indian food yeah. and they took way too fucking long. We smashed this Indian food. It was something like half an hour before we had to play, right? So yeah. gut full of piss, gut full of Indian food. Mm. I um I was like tuning, had super long hair, then straight, whatever, straightened it like, you know. Yeah. A dickhead. And then um, I'm like, oh, fuck, I need to spew. So, like, I did the old try and swallow it back down. Yeah, but you're mid-song. And then I'm like, Bleh. so I put my head down and then the spew hit the end of my hair. Yeah. So I'm facing the crowd, you're behind me, and then I flick my hair back and the spew goes all over you. Yeah. I flick my hair back. Fuck. I thought that was funny. You didn't really- I copped a lot of abuse on that drum stool. I still remember to this day trying to play and – Fucking Steve Pitkin from The Rivalry and also later that night and a whole bunch of other bands and God, God damn it, damn it. He, for some reason, is naked and he has jumped up beside me on the drum riser (laughs) and is literally teabagging the side of my face while I'm playing. (laughs) So I've just got his ball bag smashing into me while I'm playing. You were like trying to be cool about it, (laughs) but I I can see you're frustrated. Like, but I I was being sexually assaulted by someone I love. It was weird. (sighs) So it was consensual in a way. It was, you know, looking back, it was it was actually kind of funny. But Jesus, man, at the time, because you can't see much on that drum riser at Enigma, because yeah. it's it's really boxed in and the lights there are super bright. It's like stand up almost. Yeah, like you just can't see a thing in front of you. And then suddenly, like this naked guy who's still wearing his fedora, because that's the kind of guy he is. He doesn't want to go completely naked. Socks and a fedora, and a surprisingly big ball bag, just <laughs> in time. <laughs> Like it's like it's like a, a like, a, like a ball metronome. It was it was a ball ball bag metronome to the side so of my either, face. Either side, it was unreal. But the but chaos at some of those shows, though, man. Do you remember the game they were playing? Like in the dick, we like you just kick each other in the dick. Oh, I, I, I was a, I avoided that the whole time. No one kicked me in the dick. It was just Dave doing it. It was Dave doing it to Pete Taylor. The yeah, so at, look, anyone who was like on stage, yeah. mid gig, you just come up and kick him in the balls. Yeah, not too hard, but you know, I mean, enough to enough to say enough, enough for amusement. Yeah, and and like I avoided it. 
and like I went to Melbourne mm. to play a show. We, we were playing Guantanamo's, mm. and then um, Izzy was over there for some fucking reason. And I'm fucking late. You're all there ready, and I caught the late flight. I'm like, fuck, I'm late. Got to be on stage. And like yeah. you were setting up, I quickly run in, and then Izzy just kicks me in the balls, drops me right in the doorway at the fucking art house. Oh. I just dropped like a sack of shit. I'm trying I... to set my stuff up. Fucking saw nuts. Fuck. That was a great venue to play the art house. It was. That was great. Room 13, party room. Yeah. Oh, man. Fuck. I, I still, just getting back to the chaos though, I still remember the, the best thing I've ever seen when we were playing was we were playing at the Enigma Bar and I think it was, um, it might have been another Christmas show and for some reason we thought it would be funny if we bought a bottle of tequila and we would bring out the bottle of tequila and get people to do shots while we played some shit. Was that Shano doing that or Shane drank it all? No, nah, it, was, it was some shit heavy metal version of tequila where you just basically put some distortion on it and pretend it's original. You yeah, know, yeah, the kind of shit that punk bands do. Mm. I remember looking out and two people who shall remain nameless, mm. one of them took a massive, massive guzzle from the bottle, like enough to wipe you out. Mm. And he, he handed the bottle back and just instantly turned green because it was shit tequila and just puked in his hands, right? And the guy next to him, because he'd missed out on the bottle, drank the puke straight out of his hands. I remember just thinking something's going very wrong or very right right now. That was kind of the peak of that band, I think. The Gigi Allen fans? or They were Gigi Allen fans, yeah. Yeah, Chuck Chuck drinking uh, sort of crosses the line, I think. Yeah, no, that's uh, unless. But you know what? They weren't doing it for views. They weren't LA beast, you know, like <laughs> chugging down a fucking ten year old Pepsi. Steve-O doing a line of it. Yeah. yeah, these they they were just enthusiasts. Wow. Really wanted to get drunk. I'm not going to judge. I've eaten someone's cocaine boogers before to try and get high. So I'm fucking. <laughs> but I remember, like, you know, I know you're not about the drinking anymore. But we had mm. some, we had some good times, some fun drinking times. We'd oh, start drinking like lunchtime. We'd have a barbie, mm. and then we wouldn't be playing till like midnight. So we'd be like running on full cylinders by the time oh. we get there. And surprisingly, we could play, pissed out of our brain. Or so we, we could thought. <laughs> like, oh yeah, probably. Yeah. But I've, you played I've, for three songs without your guitar plugged in. That was funny. That was at, was that the rocks or <laughs> no? That was that was outside at um, the the World's yeah. End Hotel. So basically, we, we rocked up um, at this venue. It was the old night train. It was, we rocked up at six o'clock. Oh, that's right. And then um, oh, we go. Oh, it's, oh, it's ten dollar jugs. I was like, get everyone down here now. And yeah. like, we're just bringing our shit in. And we were shitted by about like eight o'clock. Mm. And the show was just the shambles. Everyone was like too fucked. Yeah. And like just messy as fuck. There's a band from like Scandinavia playing. And by the time we came on, um, I'm up there setting my shit up and I'm, I'm like rocking the fuck out. I'm like, yeah, kicking ass. And then like the sound guy comes up to me, well, what's your fucking problem? And he goes, pushes me out the way, gets my lead and plugs it in my fucking guitar. I played three fucking songs thinking I'm a fucking rock star, rocking the fuck out. I wasn't even plugged in. Did we have two guitarists at that point? We did. So oh. he was doing it and I was thinking that was me. And then the whole time Izzy's there with a mic stand just stabbing my dick while I'm trying to play. <laughs> <laughs> so like we all did pranks on each other and that yeah. was cool. I mean, that's probably the best part of it. Like you, yeah. you have like pranks with other bandmates or whatever. Yeah. That, that, that last tour was why I quit drinking. That last one. I think there was tour. many reasons, John. There was many reasons, but that Which was... Which you haven't mentioned on the radio. Yeah, well, I'm never going to. <laughs> I'm never going to. Um, fuck. But that, that last one was... That was the one. I remember coming home on that plane and seeing a woman visibly gag at my smell for how bad we stank. Because we'd been sleeping in that hot box backpackers in Sydney in summer. So Sydney at the best of times is muggy as fuck. Did you count how much we drank? I didn't count it, man. The Manny Cartons we, we had in that two days was, oh, oh. was mental. Absolutely yeah. mental. Yeah, that, that, that really hurt. I came back 
and thought I had skin cancer. And I went to the doctor and I said, I need to get this skin cancer cut off. And he looks at it and just goes, that's not skin cancer. That is your liver failing. Like, oh, we were all like messaging each other. Mm. Are you okay? Because I'm not feeling well. <laughs> I'm, I've got these weird pains. And like, and then other dudes in Melbourne's like, oh, I'm not going to be the same ever again. Like, yeah. it was just, we just went hard. Like, the one thing I feel bad about on that whole tour was uh, the, the DY Blasting House. That was the only place that I felt really bad because Dave's such a nice guy. Whose house it was. But his parents have always been supportive and like, yeah. really, really cool. They paid that. us to leave. Do you remember that? They paid <laughs> us to leave. Is that because like penises were coming out? Uh, penises like were coming out yeah. and daughters were being fellated. And it, was, <laughs> it wasn't by us. No, no, but the bands we were touring with. And Chappie got naked. Well, that's just part of his stage move, really. Yeah. And I re- I'm pretty sure that some of my ongoing bash- back issues are from that, when I got tackled off the drum kit in his shed. Do you remember when Chappie had the, the snapper G-string? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. It, t- it turned into a strip play show. <laughs> it's like, what happened? That guy, for someone who was like a straight down the line footy playing Bogan who loves his West End draft, yep. you give him the first opportunity to get naked and do a full burlesque show, he's, he's missed his calling. He is a caged animal. Yeah, he needs caged. to be, you know, you know. <sighs> yeah, you got to be careful around that, man. He's, nah, he's, he's a great dude. He's a great dad. Like, chill dude sober. Like, if you met him sober and we saw that madness on stage, yeah. like, I'm not even going to mention the shit he's done. Right? Oh, you can't. Actually, I'll say one thing. Yeah. We actually were doing really well because we had a friend from Melbourne, which is Guantanamo Bay City Rollers. We had a friend in Melbourne who played it on Triple J. Oh, right. And then our EP became like the feature album in 2006, I think. Was that or the seven. Alcoholicost? Alcoholicost. Yeah. Now, they were basically doing it because our name was re- retarded. Yeah. And then shit just blew up. And then we, like, we got offered like the fucking the tour with the hard-ons, but we couldn't do it. Mm. And then, so shit started, you know, going good. People started coming to our shows. Mm. And then one time we played a show at the Crown and Anchor and my cousin Jenna and Simon came along and I haven't seen Jenna in a long time. They were young as fuck Yeah, too, young as fuck. Really, really cool cool cousins. And then they came along. I said, oh yeah, my band's a little bit heavy. Just like, just, just you know, have an open mind. Mm. Chappie decides to go on stage, get naked as usual. Yeah. Gets whipped cream, puts That's it on his hard. bum crack. And goes, right, who's going to lick it out? That's right. Now, now, someone came up and licked it out, but that was they were pretending to do it. But from the crowd, it looked like they did it. Yeah. And then what actually happened was we lost half of our crowd at that point and, yeah. and we didn't recover after that because I think <laughs> looking like yeah, doing that and my cousin goes, I can't believe you did that. I said, I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't tell him to do it. He's, an, he's a caged animal. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking loose. <laughs> I, I remember that now. Fuck, that was chaos. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, the shock value. Yeah. He, he was just influenced by crazy performers or, yeah, whatever. I don't think Some he's influenced by anyone. He's just a fucking surfer who gets loose. He's yeah. just a Victor Harbour surfer who gets fucking loose. Yeah, he's just like, hey, check this. I'm going to put this in my bum. You know what I mean? Like, Well, because he was playing in the blood-sucking freaks and they, they were just fucking off the charts. Like the singer stuck a chair up. Jesus, man. Shabby did that in Sydney. Do you, and you remember that out. last show in Sydney? So we're yeah. playing. And fuck, I love, I love the dudes from um, that, that weird drone core scene. Yeah. Like, they're Sorry good. about the filth guys. They're nuff, but they're fucking good guys. And they invite us over to play this pub in the – it's like in the rocks or something like that. It's like really up across Sydney. Was it Surrey Hills or something? I can't remember. It was, it was a nice part of town, like well beyond our 
like social status. And we weren't feeling very well because we played that DY show the night before. Uh, yeah, and we were, no, it wasn't even the night before. It was that day. Oh, that day. So we were fucking maggot. We were gone, yeah. And no one, and as soon as we started playing, it just cleared the room. Because all these people with turtlenecks and, you know, ironic tattoos wanted to go and talk about fucking Buddhism. Go get fucked. Can I stop you for a second? Yeah. When I was rocked up with Gardy first and we were playing, there was a... Gardy, the Connect, bass player. Yeah, yeah. Connect Four was there. So me and him were like trying to play Shaking Like Fuck, playing like Connect Four. Mm. And our, our guitarist at the time, Dave, mm. just comes in and just slaps it. Fuck you, Connect Four. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck, I was winning. <laughs> Because I was losing every game up to that point and then we all started a fight over just Connect Four. Jesus. And then we got up and then, yeah, continue on the story. Yeah, so everyone leaves and none of us can even play. Like I'm not even playing the kick drum at this point. I'm so drunk. I can't even, I can't even coordinate my feet and my hands. And I just remember seeing everyone leave the room and our singer Chappie basically just go, right, well, if it's that kind of show, and just grabs a, sh- a chair, upends it, and the leg goes fair up his asshole. It was like those shitty ones you see at McDonald's. Yeah. like those, But it was like the ones with the cap off. Yeah. He just went large. Yeah, straight up there. The fuck, that was some Pornhub shit. And I actually put my guitar down first. I was like, I don't want to play, and just left. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was the worst we ever did. <laughs> Nothing compares to a fucking party man in the middle of the – that f- I'm still trying to find a way to tell that story about that punk festival that we played, such as life, such as life festival. S- those stench core cunts. I put a hole in my mouth. Um, my tooth went through my, my fucking lip. Yeah, right. In the middle of nowhere, I was bleeding out. So I said, like, just people just give me vodka, and I'm just smashing bowls of vodka. Just like I'm like, yeah, we'll sterilize it. Yeah. And the, the alcohol is making a piss more blood. <laughs> Everything about that festival was just fucked. But we killed it. Like the, the South Australian bands came over in the shitty bus we hired and then we just destroyed. We're all off our face. They weren't ready for the level of alcoholism that we brought. Morning mm. drinking, and yeah. Da- all day drinking mm. on a bus. And then you get there and they're, they're trying to run some kind of hippie security where they gave us these red cable ties to put on our shoelaces so that we could get access to the free polenta. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, we've come all this way and you want to give us free, unflavoured polenta. I want a meat pie. I didn't know. It's a vegan <laughs> festival. We I have, get in there. Yeah. And we get in there and in the space of us being there for two hours, they have to go back into town because we've drunk their bar dry and they didn't account for the level of alcoholism that was descending on them like a fucking Egyptian plague. Mm. They just couldn't get their heads around it. And they're fucking hippies leaving their babies to sleep in dorms with punk bands. Oh, and that and was like, Kerry was like in a beat up, be a fucking good dad. Like, don't look after your fucking kids. And Yeah. And like, yeah, that funniest thing of that was you you were fucked, you mm. need to sleep. And yeah. there, what there was was this shitty fucking tin shed and it had like crappy bunk beds in there. Yeah. So I'm like, there's fucking no booze. I'm going on a fucking booze hunt. It's like fucking nine in the morning. I've been up all night. Yeah. Fucking right, I need to get fucking booze. I know John's got like at least like six pack or whatever. Mm. I'm gonna go in there. So I walk in there, and I and I hear this, "Hey, cheese." Yeah. And I look over to my left, and it's Yup from Piss Christ, <laughs> banging this chick. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like just starts a conversation mid bang, and I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna talk to you while you're having. That's disrespectful. Yeah. Carry on. And I can see you there over in the other corner, awake, just like going, "Oh fuck." <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to get some booze, man. I'll yeah. see you later. <laughs> I was, I was like, not impressed. But he's just like, it's not a group fucking thing, man. I'm like, I'm not going to have a chat like this. Yeah. Oh. He was a good dude. Still is. Yeah. But fuck. Oh, that, just that punk festival, man. There's something wrong with those hippies. There really is. But yeah, just mad. It's, it's funny stories, like, you know, tour stories. But my favorite thing is just hanging out with other bands. 
And yeah. um, there's a lot of cool people you meet, a lot of fans and stuff, but I think people are in a hurry to, to do what they're doing. They go see a band and they leave. Yeah. But the characters are great, man. Paulie from Christ Crusher. He's an English teacher. And he's like he's like heavy metal well, punk grommet royalty in Australia. He's the fucking nicest dude. Yeah. Who was, was that guy from um, Captain Cleanoff that used to be in um Ah, oh, who was that that seminal Australian band? The fucking they got that famous shirt with the guy blowing his head off. Mass Appeal. Mass Appeal. Oh yeah, Kev. Kev. Kev from Mass Appeal, just hanging out at our house drinking beers, yeah. telling us all these war stories about touring back in the day. And he's like, oh, I started smoking at 30. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? What did you do that for? Ah, oh, you know, <laughs> something to do. It was pretty funny though because I, I told him that I'd just been to see Henry Rollins yeah. uh, at the Royalty Theatre. He came and did a three-hour stand-up show. He won't call it stand-up because that would actually imply that you're supposed to be funny. But he fucking <laughs> comes and does a three-hour show, which with some editing would have been maybe 40. Right? Yeah. The guy's got great stories, but fuck me, do some editing. Anyway. He tells all these stories about going through across the Hay Plain with Mass Appeal and how, oh, Vegemite and all this kind of stuff. And I was telling Kev about it. And he goes, get fucked. It wasn't anything like that. <laughs> Guy was a prick. Couldn't fucking stand him. <laughs> all he wanted to talk about was being in Black Flag and how good Black Flag were. Fuck, it was great. No, he, he, um, he really loved Mark and Kane, didn't he? So he came to Adelaide and produced, um, was it Ill at Ease? Rollins. Rollins actually yeah, yeah, came yeah. and produced that, I think. Oh, because you can fucking hear it in his later stuff, man. Like, you can hear, you can totally hear, like, Mark of Cain and Rollins' band, for sure. Or vice versa, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's weird to hear that Mark of Cain came from here. Like, for me, like, they're a really, really fucking amazing band, like. Yeah. And um, when that album came out, you and I were like, fucking, we used to watch Recovery, the best fucking show on earth. Yeah, you watch it now, it's pretty cringeworthy. Yeah, but back then, you back know. Back then it was great. You would see all these, like, just Bands that are still drunk, like playing live on television. Yeah, that was great. And um, you get introduced to like some weird sort of underground bands. I mean, back you and I back then, fuck me, that was so good. Yeah, I still are, man. Yeah. Those dudes are fucking great. Yeah, but not Powderfinger. They can get fucked. Powderfinger is the fucking worst. They're worse than you two. They should be sued for every fucking song. They riff off. I can actually choose riffs from Mm. like certain songs that are just ripped off blatantly. Same as like you two. Yeah, they're just generic nonsense. I can't stand them. People fucking love them too. Yeah. Yeah, Powderfinger. Oh, I'm going to go to the BDO and listen to Powderfinger. Just fuck off, you vanilla I'll cunt. call him Pooterfinger. <laughs> Just the fucking worst. But then you see like some of the other bands from that era, man, like Tumbleweed. I saw them do their reunion show yeah. uh, in Sydney when they first came back and they played the whole, I think it was Garden of Gnomes and the self-titled Sundial. Wow. Man, that was – and they sounded like they had not missed a beat. And it was beautiful to see like all these other bands playing and I, I stalked the front row – so I could be there and see it. And all these other bands played, and they were great. And then Tumbleweed came on, and you knew it was special because all the other bands were in the wings. And I remember just seeing the Hilltop Hood guy, the guys from Hilltop Hoods, just fucking loving it. It was so good, man, seeing that. Like, you just don't get that sort of stuff anymore. And then, like, let's, let's, let's uh, name drop another one, The Hard Ons. Yeah. Now, they are a fucking band. Mm. I don't know how old they are now, but they're, you know. They're fucking getting old, man. They still kick bands that are like 20 years old they yeah. still kick their ass they're amazing yeah they're, and everyone every show i've seen it's just like the hair on the back like freaking out it's just yeah. flawless every fucking show yeah they just know how to fucking entertain and they're writing fucking still heavy shit still yeah. fast stuff some of the like the poppy songs of the older guys like always like in their 50s like oh it gets a bit heavy and the next minute i start going Rah! yeah they're great I'm like, wow you know who I was really surprised by at that show in Sydney? Like who I thought, who I never was interested in until I saw him live? Yeah. Eskimo Joe. 
Those dudes were fucking. So for some reason they they were doing that early stuff, and then I don't know something kicked in where they maybe got some money and they could quit their jobs and you know they suddenly became more experimental and that later stuff they did that fingernails and red wine stuff or whatever it was. Mm. But live man, they were fucking great. They could play. That's I've always been respectful of bands who can play live and like when you're young you're like no nah, fuck them you know typical metal, metal attitude yeah. no nah, they're fucked fuck them. And then you can appreciate bands for what they do. Mm. And it doesn't matter what style it is, you have to appreciate what it is. Like, yeah. I prefer jazz listening to, like, mostly. Like, mm. my sort of music is quite fucking boring if you listen to it after, like, 10 seconds or whatever. It gets a bit repetitive. You've got to see it live. You've got to see it live, yes. Or mm. in the car driving fast or... Yeah. Um, whereas jazz, you can put it on at any time and it still fucking sounds amazing. What made me laugh about... Um, I did that music video for you, the um, Crocodile Dundee one. Yes, you did. The funny thing about that was, because that was the first thing I'd ever seen go viral that I'd ever worked on, right? Besides, uh, yeah. Because, well, besides that shit that got cancelled that I can't talk about. <laughs> yeah, because I signed an NDA. Um, <laughs> and I could go and be fined a lot of money for talking about it. Um, but that there, the funny thing about that was, like, all these people, like, there was, first of all, it was interesting seeing it being shared all over the world. And it started, the comments started in English and then they became Spanish. And then, Russian. Were, and then there was Russian and Portuguese and it's like, oh, what the fuck is going on here? Like yeah. People are really digging it. Mm. But then it came back into English as it kind of did a second lap yeah. of the internet and that's when the complaints started and all these people are like, oh man, I've got friends who work so much harder than these guys and why can't they put together a really good music video like this? It's like, you dickheads, it was us in a rehearsal room and a fucking laptop and just a couple of days on an editing program. That's all it was. Well, times have changed. Like I remember we... We did an album in 2009, so, so fucking, you know, ages ago. Mm. And um, it costs us a lot of money. Like, you have to book the studio and it's like $500 a day. Was this Corruptors? Yeah, and it dragged. It, it ended up dragging out. We needed extra days for editing and other tracks and I, it was just in the thousands. Yeah. And then now I can do an album for like 500 bucks now. Yeah. Because like I can do, I could record the guitars at home, the bass or whatever, and then record the drums in the studio with another mate and... Because Kieran's a machine, he just powers through. Yeah, you pump it out and then, um, yeah, you get friends. You have people overseas like with artwork. So yeah. it, it's it's easier if you're you're an artist, there's an artist in the band because yeah. they can – there's a lot of amazing musicians that are artists and, and they just do their own artworks. They, yeah. they do their own shirts, their merch, and they save a lot of fucking money that way. Yeah. Whereas we can't afford that sort of thing. So we just, you know, do it if there's a tour. Yeah. Like we only play like a couple of times a year. To be honest, like in Australia, we don't really have much sort of following. So um, every year, I'll sort of book a like international um, tour. Yep. Uh, um, yeah, Europe or America, or so forth, and, and that'll be for like six weeks, and that's how we roll. And I'm happy with that. Being a musician in a band and having access to a studio is like being the kid with a pool in summer, isn't it? For me, yeah, because I've always, always wanted to be an engineer and record, but I never had the money. So what I used to do is like pick up little things on the way, mm. but I do everything DIY. I remember I used to record things with two tape players, and I put a tape in there because I didn't have like fucking multi-track recorders. Yeah, yeah. You know, being so when you're poor like that, you learn techniques mm. to adapt to it, and you you get the skills to do it. So when once you get a little bit more money later on, you can use your home studios, which are basic as you yeah. use as well, and then yeah, you can put music together, pull sounds, and everyone's a fucking DJ. The interesting thing about the fact that music's getting cheaper to produce now is that places like Port Perry back yep. home now have a music scene. Like people who are actually recording and putting stuff out. Man, some, there's a band there called The Daily Chase. They're a metalcore band. 
They're decent, man. And the best thing is, the guy, I don't know any of these guys, so I'm just going by what I've seen on the they internet. they got muscles and shit? No, no, they're funny. They're fucking funny. Yeah. They've got a real sense of humor. And the drummer, I don't know I don't know him personally, but I'm a bit of a fan of his work. He is like this video gun. So he's into like motocross and he films like Krusty Demons. Like That's he sick. Works for those guys, like Krusty Demons or Nitro Circus or something like that. Mm. He's, like, he's like a crazy motocross guy, owns the bike shop there. But he's also like a really good filmmaker. So they've made these music videos that are funny as fuck. <laughs> Driving around in the, like the bush outside Port Perry and like little utes and stuff like popping their heads out and doing like <laughs> guitar solos in the bush and stuff. It's fucking so other fucking goodies as well. Yeah, they're hilarious and they're decent musos too. And like the, I know another kid over there who's got a recording studio that he just started in his shed, got a couple of rack mounts and that was it. Mm. So, you know, less than 2000 bucks and some Behringer shit you're in business, you know. Yeah. It's unreal. So it's everyone has a different ways of doing things, but like I know people think they need to spend a lot of fucking money to do things. Yeah, it's like I don't know. People need brand names and like you know all this other shit. You don't like. Yeah, you can do that, whatever, and look fucking cool. But you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Eh. Fuck, that's the beauty of stand up too, man. All you need to, you don't even fucking need a mic, especially when you're like me and three people come to your shows. You just get them to sit in the front and talk. I know, and I think you become humble, like when you're fucking poor. Yeah, <laughs> you, you just be thankful for everything you can get. Yeah, and that's what it is. I don't have a fucking huge ego. I do what I do. Mm. You know, I fucking like you're pretty good on stage. You're not nervous. Like, I'm nervous, man, on stage. I'm I, nervous as fuck. I just hide it. You hide it very well. You told me when you were drunk, oh, I've got a massive ego. I do. <laughs> I, have, I have got a massive ego. You don't get into stand-up unless you do. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, for me, it's just like I don't really sort of enjoy playing live. It's hard. Like if, you know, sometimes yeah. you do, but, like, it's – everyone's looking at you, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a bit weird. Yeah. I enjoyed playing drums live more than I do stand-up. But the interesting thing is there was more pressure on me playing drums because if I fucked up, I derailed everything. You'd get the fucking the evil stares from me. Yeah, the evil stares from you yeah. or from anyone else in the band who was actually a competent musician. That was always fun, like being the by far the weakest fucking link. And you just go, <laughs> give the finger, and I'm like, oh, what can I do? Yeah, drop a drumstick, keep going, fucking, oh, Jesus Christ. Nah, it was, it was good fun, man. Like, hmm. I know you, you'd have your moments where you're like, fuck this, I'm not going to play drums, and you'd sell your kit, and then you'd be like, You'd message me and go, oh, I want to play drums again. And then you'd buy a kit, then you'd have your hissy fit again. Oh, I'm going to fucking get rid of it. But that was always for booze money. <laughs> that was the thing. It was, I yes never, and no. You just gave up. Yeah, a few times. You, and then you took it up again. Yeah. yeah. And now I've got my $100 kit. But the thing is, you don't need to spend money. You no. can make shit sound good. Like, And fuck it. It's not like I'm going to be playing in bloody a theatre or anything like that anytime soon. I mean, if I ever play again, I'd be lucky if it's even marked up. Uh, the thing with like Stone of Rock, like you can fucking play that when you're old. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. I mean, like for me, I'm, I'm on a fucking deadline. <laughs> I'm fucking 40 like this year. Like, yeah. It's like I can't play it forever. Oh, fuck, how long are Napalm Death going for, man? Yeah, but they're fucking cash hungry. Well, you can't blame them, man. I'm, I don't worry. You know, I used to get really annoyed at that sort of stuff now, but now I'm like, you know, I'm 40 and I'm starting to look at my retirement. I, oh, you want to ski yourself? Get on a retirement calculator. No. Oh, man. It's fucking terrifying. And now that I work at a law firm, just answering phones, I'm not, a, I'm not anything. I'm just a receptionist. So you don't do any threatening, threatening and shit? No, I have to do that too. Oh, um, cool. But now I've seen legal loopholes and know how people build wealth and how much people actually have when they're my age. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ, I fucked up. So you get a start when you're like, what, fucking 10, basically? Oh, yeah. man. And, you know. And it never ends. I mean, the, other, the same time, you know, don't be motivated by money because you'll never, ever be happy. But at the same time, I don't want to have to worry about my health care when I'm older and I don't have to worry about 
all this other stuff. And fucking, I did the retirement thing and to even retire on a basic income, I have to work till I'm 90. But people are leaving like private healthcare by the droves. Yeah, because I mean, it's a rort. It's a rort. It's a massive rort. So what do you do? Do you stay in it or not? Like, what? Well, my recent experience having broken my back is that, fuck, I wish I had. Yeah. Just simply because I can't even, I can't even get a surgeon to look at me. There's a four-year wait on the public system and I can ring up surgeons and they just say, fine, we'll come and see you tomorrow. What's your private, what's your private health provider? I'm like, I don't have one. Bye. Did you eat shit? Like, did you, how'd you hurt your back? Do you have any idea? Best, my best guess is I jumped off a stage and that's it. What, doing comedy or? Yeah, but I had a camera on my shoulder and that's all I can think. I just landed funny and that was that. <laughs> Fuck. I actually put my back out fighting one time. I broke a rib coughing. Cool, man. I reckon we've done our time. We've hit an hour. No worries. <laughs> As you lean over to make sure that you're getting your time, like you've gone to a brothel and you're making sure that oh, I paid for I'm 60 minutes. not finished. <laughs> <laughs> Keep saying like, subscribe, share. Cool, man. Uh, well, thanks for popping by. You don't want to plug anything, do you? Because nah. you couldn't be fucked. <laughs> nah. Meth Leopard Grindcore on Instagram or anything like that. Bandcamp, nothing. Oh, yeah, it's the stuff you won't like, you know. Fair enough. Fuck you. I'm going to link you in the uh, description when I fucking share this thing. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to press the stop button now because that is long enough. Thank you very much. Pew.